This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by the boys of Bird Campbell, PA. Bird Campbell means business. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to Emergency Episode 134 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It's Tuesday night, November 7th. It's election night, but much more importantly, Duke is 1-0 on the basketball season. Also, wait, wait, going that's, bowling, bowling. Uh, wait, 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 does Sam, that, wait, does that Sam, only Sam, count Sam, for, Sam. Does that only count for one win? That felt like that counted for like it's, five wins. We're, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> people out there. We're like... We're like one in, oh, shit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> folks, folks, uh, the following mm. is going to be, if you can't tell, it's going to be an unedited, uh, possibly inappropriate episode. Because on top of the fact that Duke is going to a bowl game again, following a Holly. great win against Miami football, we're not even talking about it. We can't even talk about it. I don't have my computer with me. I'm doing this on my phone. I don't know where Donald is. So I'm in, I'm in let's, D.C., let's, man. Let's do it live. It's been a weird night for D.C., but we're, we're doing it live. We're doing it. We're doing it live. I'm Sam Klein. I'm your host for this episode. Uh, I am coming to you, of course, from Durham, where I was watching the game at a friend's house. Donald Wait, is Sam, in D.C. Sam. What? Sam, am I allowed to tell the what? people that you're drunk? That you're drunk? Can I tell the people that you're drunk? Oh. God, uh, yeah, I, get, I mean, it is a Tuesday, or I guess now it's Wednesday. So It's Wednesday morning now, so he was drunk yesterday. It's Wednesday Today morning. Not. I was Today reading. he's just coming down. I, let, me, let me correct what I said earlier. I said it was Tuesday, November 7th. It was Tuesday, November 6th. It's now Wednesday, November 7th. Jason's in Atlanta. I got to get, get all the starting information. Jason, hi. Yes. Good yes. morning. Good morning. <laughs> Let's get Good to morning. it. This, uh, was, this was fun. To, I want to talk about this game. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so in case uh, in case anybody missed it, uh, Duke beat Kentucky 118 to 84. Let me <laughs> let me repeat <laughs> that the, the final score the final score was 118 to 84, according to my Yahoo Sports app that I use to. To read sports scores, Kentucky was favored by two and a half. That is correct. Which, which means, which means that Duke beat the spread by thirty-six and a half points. <laughs> that'd be that'd be thirty-six and a half points. That would be wait, wait. five touch, five touchdowns and, and three hooks just you, for the you, heck of it. If you if you bet the Devils, you were not sweating the cover ever. Yeah, uh, one, were... one, one of my friends, one of my friends texted me that he had the over on 160. Uh, well, he congratulations to him. He was not sweating so that, that either. We almost, we almost, so we almost got yeah, Zion, Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett, I think had the over himself, <laughs> um, tonight. It was, uh, it was a night of, it was a night of, of records. I suppose for Duke, I saw that John Calipari has never given up 
102, I think 102 was the previous high that John Calipari's yeah, that's, team that's what ever given up in a game. We we were uh, we were at that last time. We were at 102 <laughs> with like seven minutes left in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Duke was. I, I texted you guys because for a, a brief moment, Duke was winning by the score of 82 to 50, which uh, great score Duke fans. Yes, Duke fans from back in 2010 will know. That's a great score to be winning a basketball game by. Um, shout out to the 2010 national championship team. But um, guys, there's. I, I don't know how long this is going to take us to get through. Let me let me ask you, Jason, first. Um, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite layup or dunk from this game? Like, tell me. Oh, tell oh. me maybe what your favorite what your favorite dunk was from this game, or your favorite layup from this game. Well, well, wait, wait. So uh, uh, I texted you guys. We were on our group text thing. I texted you guys yeah. at the 15-minute mark of the second half, and I said, I want to put a stopwatch on how much time we spend talking about Zion Williamson's block, fast break, feed to R.J. Barrett for a three-point play. And, and I think if we wanted to, we could spend – I said I would spend 10 minutes talking about it without stopping. And, Donald, tell the folks what you said. I said, why would you limit the number of days that I can talk about this? <laughs> Look, in I mean, truth, in, in true, it, this is election night, right? It's election night in America. And in true election night fashion, if you told me that I only had a minute or two minutes or whatever to talk about this, I would run over my time, just like every other politician would. Uh, that the thing play, about that play, the thing about that play is that Zion Williamson made a two-handed block. And that was like the third coolest thing that happened on that play. <laughs> no, but, th but here's the thing. He he went up with two hands, but he only needed the one. He took the ball and cupped it with one hand. You have to and then he just and he, then he just took the other hand. The so, other hand was there for effect. So that play. Why? To, wait. Why did play, people? Yeah, I, I'm going. That play <laughs> involuntarily drew me out of my seat. So I was I was my wife is sleeping. She's probably pissed off at me right now because um, I'm really loud. Uh, but I was sitting on the couch. I was trying to be calm and quiet because um, I, I, you know, I didn't want to wake her up or anything like that. That play happened, and I went. Eee! I made like this weird noise. I don't even know what the noise was. I jumped up in the air. I was like turning circles and stuff. I couldn't control my body. I don't know that I have words to describe what I thought when I saw that play. That was that was absurd. That was crazy. I mean, and the pass, the pass. How do you make that pass? When I said that, when I said that, that was only the third coolest thing. The block was the third coolest thing because he, because he recovered the ball, which was the second coolest thing. And then the pass was like a professional, seasoned veteran sort of bounce pass through traffic. I mean, no, when, dude, wait, wait, wait. R.J. Barrett's finish. R.J. Barrett gets a full-on shove in the back because Kentucky is. I was terrified Kentucky was going to foul and hurt someone in that game because they had to be frustrated. I mean. But the Kentucky guy, P.J. Washington, who is not a small human being, P.J. Washington gives R.J. Barrett a full-on shove in the back, and R.J. still finished for the and one. That's like, how is that the fourth greatest thing that happened on that play? <laughs> Look, why did, why did people tell us that Zion Williamson wasn't a polished basketball player coming into the season? He looked, Look, let me tell you about <laughs> this. They were wrong. So, I, I got to tell you my vantage like, point, all right? So I, I – Right before that play, I, you know, it was right where we had like an and one 
So I excused myself to use the restroom and I came back like two seconds later and my friend was like, but I was at my best friend's house and they're like, yo, you got to watch this play and you need to sit here and you need to remember <laughs> that people are asleep and they played <laughs> it. And I swear to you, I jumped up and somehow pranced across the entire house without waking up my friend, thankfully. And look, there is a lot of things to take from this play. There is the block. He put one up with two hands, but only needed one. There was the cupping of the ball to retrieve the ball. There was the, the dribbling down the floor. There was the pass to R.J. Barrett, the shove from behind that let R.J. Barrett even still laid in. But you're missing the, the best part of the entire play was that from about half court, Javon Delorier knew exactly what was about to happen and started celebrating. <laughs> it was so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he literally like ran and with like the whole play, you if you see the trailing part, you see him celebrating from about the half court line because he knew what was about to happen. It's amazing. Hey, hey, hey guys. Uh, so y'all know I watch lots of movies. I, I recently saw the new Halloween movie. It was very scary and very good. Earlier this year, I loved A Quiet Place. Um, it last year, there have been some hereditary, there have been some great horror movies in recent, in the past year and a half or so. If I'm a rival coach, if I'm a team that is playing Duke, this game tape is a horror movie. We it's one of the scariest. Them. Yeah. It's one of the scariest things I could, I could ever see. If I'm a rival coach, I would delete the game tape. I would never, ever, ever show it to my team. It would scare the crap out of them. I mean, I guess maybe you could pick a few places, some moments where Kentucky, you know, did a decent job getting to the bas to the bucket a few times, um, and they grabbed some nice offensive rebounds a, a few times. But for 350 plus teams in Division One basketball, this game tape is a nightmare that they never ever want to go through. And uh, here, here to me, this is the scariest thing for the rest of college basketball. Kentucky's the second most athletic team in the country. Duke is the most athletic. Kentucky Duke. is loaded. Duke, Kentucky is loaded with NBA quality athletes, with guys who are we built about. Yeah, uh, with guys who are built to defend the kind of guys that Duke has, and Kentucky had no prayer, had no chance of defending Duke. Now, look, I, I'm sure Virginia will figure it out. They always do. I bet the Syracuse zone will be really tough for us to get inside of because it always is. But R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson going to the basket, going to the hole in the half court, just, I'm not even talking about our long distance shooting, which was great. I'm not even talking about the fast break, which is basically unstoppable. I'm saying in our half court, when R.J. and Zion go to the, go to the goal, if you're, I don't know, if you're Clemson, if you're Virginia Tech, if you're North Carolina, how do you look at this tape and go, oh, oh yeah, I can stop those guys from scoring inside? You can't. Look, look, you got talked about. We talked about how Kentucky had this formidable front line anchored by Reed Travis, who's a who's a graduate transfer. From yeah, he's Stanford. been in school for nine big, years. I mean, he's twenty eight. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, very like like mature big man in college basketball should be pretty dominant against basically anyone he plays this year and essentially Duke's reserves made Reed Travis look bad tonight. I mean, well, that, by the way, I, he, I love the had, fact he, 
I was going to say, oh, really quick, I love the fact that with four minutes left, we brought in all our subs, and Calipari kept in all his starters. He kept in all his top players because he wanted them to experience the full extent of this beatdown. Well, Jason, Jason, maybe we'll ask you because, because I think you're the only one that has historical perspective here. Like the, the Duke UNLV national championship game in 1990, this, this is what I think of, and I, I was barely alive at that point. Did it, did it look like that? I mean, that was yeah, kind of a yeah. similar margin game. Um, two highly ranked teams, but one just clearly so much better than the rest. And, and the famous story, of course, from 1990 was that Coach K left Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley and all the guys in the game to experience the loss. Do you think it's like that for Kentucky tonight? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and it felt somewhat similarly because, uh, I mean, I don't have a lot of – memories of that 1990 game. I've tried to wipe it out. Um, and there may have been some inebriation involved in my viewing of that game. Um, Look, hey, uh, that's not an excuse. I'm going to remember this night for a long time. Look, I, hope it's not, I hope it's nothing like 1990 because that means you're telling me that Kentucky's going to win the national championship next year and the year after, and I'm not with that. No, no, no. No, but, obviously. But, 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 let, but me, the, let, me, let me limit the parallels, but. No, no. The, the, the point I was going to make about it was, um, what I recall from that game was feeling like, uh, A, feeling hopeless, um, you know, feeling like there was nothing we could do to stop them and and that they could do whatever they wanted. And that's very much what this game felt like on the other side of it, you know, the the opposite way. Um, it, it rem This reminded me, what I was thinking of when you were asking for comparisons, I was thinking of the 1999 Duke team. Um uh, again, some historical perspective. Uh, that was the Duke team. They went 16-0 in the ACC. Um, and, and many people think it's it's the greatest team to not win a national title. We lost to Connecticut at the very, very end. Um, but there were games that season. There was a game I remember against UCLA we played where the game was over at halftime. In fact, even before that, you were sort of like, okay. It, it, and UCLA back then was very, very good. They were ranked in the top 10. Um, and, and you just kind of, you know, with about seven minutes gone in the first half, you went, I don't know, you know, if, if you're a UCLA fan, there's no reason to continue watching because it's absolutely hundred percent abundantly clear that Duke is on a different level from where you are. And that's what this felt like. Look, and, so and I got three Duke? quick things. I got three quick things. Yeah. Donald, I've been talking. First of, all, first of all, all right, let's take a look at Kentucky for a second. All right. They scored 84 points. Reed Travis had 22 points. Kelvin Johnson had 23 points. Both remarkable games. They lost by 34. Okay. 34. Second, they lost by 34. It, 84 points is going to win 98% of college basketball games. 84 points. They lost by 34. Second of all, if you notice in the box score, there is a little bit of symmetry. Um, both halves were 59 to 42 in favor of Duke. So that was kind of a cool thing. And third, you were well, talking and, and about by the way that that really quick that shows this wasn't just a oh we we destroyed them and then and then yeah. eased off. It, this was the the whole game. The whole like game. There you probably can't. There probably isn't a a four minute stretch. You know they often talk about breaking the game into like three and four minute stretches. There isn't a four minute stretch of this game where Duke isn't the best team for the entire four minutes. Yeah, I agree. Well, Duke had a good Duke had a good more than double lead for, for a chunk there. I was going to say, including the final four minutes when our subs are in. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. And here's the third thing. Most important thing. And this is the funniest thing of the night. So you were talking about how 
this probably made Kentucky fans feel hopeless. Well, do you know where they felt hopeless? For the people who attended that game, it was probably at home because I'm pretty sure that a lot of those people probably made it all the way home before the end of this game because that's how early they left. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember – I remember being in Denver a few years ago when the Broncos lost that Super Bowl to the Seahawks, the one where, I mean, they just got, they were murdered, like, as soon as the, a lot too little. the first yeah. kickoff. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I wasn't ever, like, a, you know, hardcore Broncos fan or anything, but I did, as you all remember, live in Denver and was, like, out at a bar that night and, and, and like, made a point of being, like, okay, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl at one of these bars in you know right in the heart of denver maybe the broncos will win and maybe i'll be like right in the middle of it when when things start to get crazy and i was home before the game ended and donald i think you're totally right the, i mean the place you could hear it on television the bankers life Fieldhouse was packed with kentucky fans mm-hmm. there of those of the four fan bases that were represented tonight they were certainly the closest and yeah it was it was silent and empty at the end of the game duke fans i mean there aren't a ton of Duke fans out in that part of the country in there were, like in wow. Indianapolis or in the surrounding area. There were none there, um, which is totally fine. But yeah, it was, it was empty by the end when they were, you know, all, all the, all the Duke reserves are, are in and making buckets and even, even like Antonio Frankovich is making shots. Like what I, I like can't, I can't really wrap my head around just how how dominant they were, and Donald, you actually pointed it out. The fact that the that both halves had the exact same score shows you that this was not a fluke. This was not Duke went on some crazy run. This was the whole game. Yeah, it, it's look. The first game of the year is always one of those games, and we talked about this last week. We talked about in the predictions episode and the preview about how this was probably going to be a close game, how it's going to be, you know, one of those late games, how, how, you know, first game, first game jitters. And literally within the first three minutes, it was declared that the, these freshmen, this freshman is over the nerves. Like it, they came out smoking and they, and they, the whole game just would not let up, just would not let up. And I loved, like, it was a fun game to watch. If you're, if you're a Duke fan, that's one of the, more fun games to watch because we we put our foot to their necks and we didn't let up the whole game. And it's one of those things that, you know, this is something that we've talked about over for years, a team that just would have that killer instinct, put a team to sleep and not let them wake up. Like that's what they did the whole game. And I, it was incredible to watch, but it was also more incredible that it was a bunch of freshmen doing it in their first game against the number two team in the country. Hey, hey, guys, I got, I got two things I wanted to mention. One is, Donald, I want to give a shout out to you because on one of the previews, or I forget when it was, you commented that it's fun to listen to the announcers talk about Zion Williamson and that you hear how much fun the announcers have watching Zion play. And I really noticed that tonight. I mean, look, we're mm-hmm. getting the A team from ESPN for, for these games, for the Champions Classic, they're sending their absolute best announcers. And those guys didn't even know what to say about Zion. There were two specific quotes that I that I just wanted to mention that I thought were just so brilliant, so wonderful. At one point, Jay Billis, it was after Zion had scored in the post, you know, 
on Reed Travis or PJ Washington, who are probably two of the better defensive big men in the country. And Zion basically scored at will on them. And Jay Billis said, I don't know what you do. Everyone who guards Zion Williamson is a mismatch. Who's a matchup for that guy? Lawrence Taylor? Yeah. Which I was just like, <laughs> that's, he's going back to Lawrence Taylor, arguably the greatest athlete ever to play in the NFL. He's going back to Lawrence Taylor. That's who he's thinking of, of for Zion Williamson. Did and then the other the Coach Kate quote that he was saying about Zion. No, no. What did he say? So he was talking about how he was talking to Coach K before the game. And he was like, how do you describe Zion Williams' game? And Coach K simply said, just watch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the, <laughs> yep, that's what we're talking about. Like, just watch and you'll see exactly what his game is. The, the other one I loved was there was a play in the second half where Zion grabbed an offensive rebound. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I had a shout out to Donald with his comment about Zion in the preseason. One of my comments about Zion in the preseason was um, how strong his hands are and how if he, you know, how he gets one mitt on the ball and there's no prayer for anyone else to ever grab it. And this was one of those offensive rebounds where he went up. Everyone else looked like they were children standing next to him. And he grabbed the offensive rebound and and the announcer said, is it possible for just an offensive rebound to be a top 10 play? <laughs> it's not even like, I mean, Zion's only what, six, seven. And, and, and he's a chunky guy. I mean, he weighs 275, 280. And yet he gets up higher than everybody else around him. And, and like we said, Kentucky has faster, a real front line. Faster. This is not, this is higher not, faster, this is yeah. not Zion Williamson. This is not Zion Williamson getting up over Ryerson or, or Ferris state. Right. This is this is him getting up over Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, arguably the best. It was big still man. a joke. I was going to say Kentucky has arguably the best front line in college basketball. A lot of people would say that. Not anymore. They don't. No. Not no, anymore. they do not. No, they do not. <laughs> okay. So you know what? We, Guys, we, 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 I have to. I have to break in because we've done a disservice to R.J. Bartholomew Barrett Jr. Oh yes. Junior. Oh Jr., yes. Who. We just talked about Zion for like 30 minutes, and the best player on the floor tonight was R.J. Barrett. Like the no, boy was no question about it. No bad question about it. Um, but let me let me also just get in for for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish had a terrific game. I thought like absolutely terrific. Jack White, I thought was one of the best players off of the bench. Played. I'm so I'm so glad you said that. I was just yeah. about to say that I thought Jack White was fat. Jack White's hustle was incredible. I mean. Uh, on a, on a day when he wasn't hitting his threes, he was one of five from three. He had six offensive rebounds, 11 total rebounds, three assists, two steals. Um, and, and, and he was, he was three of three on his, you know, close end shots. A lot of them off of the offensive rebounds. I thought mm-hmm. Jack white, that, that was, if Jack white plays like that, I mean, that's yet another thing. If you're an opposing coach, you're like, what, you know, that's well, what they're bringing it. off yeah. the bench. What? I, I have no hope. I, I, yeah. I thought he was great. He was fabulous. Yeah, but R.J. Barrett, like, there was maybe, I want to say, nine or ten plays that he had that just left me either running around my friend's apartment or just sitting there in awe. And when I say nine or ten shots, I, I'm not exaggerating that he made 13 field goals. So literally, there was probably two or three that were just like, oh, yeah, he made it. R.J. Barrett, cool. His <laughs> His body ridiculous. control, his his ability to finish through contact, um, is is at an NBA level. 
and, mm-hmm. and not just at a low NBA level, at a high NBA level. And in fact, um, at one point, the announcers were comparing him to James Harden. Uh, yes. And I think I think that's a pretty apt comparison. Um, it was on that has... play. It was on that play where he like took the ball at the top of the key, or top, you know, basically the top of the key, did like a spin move. Some guy like grabbed him. He was falling down, and literally as he was almost on the ground, somehow threw the ball up, and it went in for an and one. Uh, so, guys, can I ask you? There, there are two quick things I wanted to mention, and and um, the first one is. I, I want to talk about the two things that people were concerned about for this Duke team for this season. The first, the first one was three-point shooting. Everyone was worried whether or not we'd be able to shoot well from three-point range. Yeah, that's kind of a joke now. We hit 46% of our three-pointers. Um, so put that aside for a second. Um, the other thing that people were concerned about was defense. We did give up 84 points. Um, granted, it was in a game where the pace was so fast that we scored 118. <laughs> so giving up 84 isn't that big a deal. But what did you guys think about our defense? Um, I, I I liked it, but I want to hear from y'all. I, I oh, go ahead. Sam. I was generally impressed. I, I, I was going to say that um, that it didn't feel like, even though Jason, I think you you put it correctly. The game was moving quickly, but it felt like Duke sort of understood their defensive sets. There were certainly moments where the fast break got ahead of them and, and, and it kind of broke down. But generally speaking, I thought that the Blue Devils looked really poised. The guy I was really watching on defense was Trey Jones. And there was a lot of attention on him. Tyus Jones was in the building for this game. Uh, I, I was worried, I guess, that, that the, especially the perimeter defense wasn't going to be as good I was very impressed with Trey Jones on the ball. And then the other guy who was very impressive to me was Marquise Bolden, who we we talked about Reed Travis. We talked about Kentucky's front line. I thought Bolden job of handling himself in the post. We have not seen Bolden step up in that kind of way yet. And I thought it was a great performance by him, uh, especially. And and we know that like Javin Deloria did not have a great night. He, He committed a few silly fouls. He didn't get to play much because of the foul trouble. And Marquise Bolden really held his own against Kentucky's wave of frontline offensive players. That was, I thought, the, the, the most impressive thing sort of from the, from the non-superstars on this team tonight. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, the defense, you know, giving up, when you look at the score, you say, wow, they gave up 84 points. You know, one, they gave up 84 points to the number two team in the country. And, and two, it was a result of the, the momentum that they had with just all the scoring and just the back and forth and how fast the game was going. But I thought the defense was pretty good. I thought that their rebounding was excellent. Um, you know, I, there's maybe only a couple times where I was like, you know, kind of upset that they didn't get the rebound. But it was uh, in, for basically for all intents and purposes, any rebound that they wanted that was they were in position for they wouldn't got and even the, you know a lot of times when they didn't get the rebound it was because they were in position and Kentucky had to foul them to get the ball so um, I, I really I really enjoyed that I really enjoyed like you said Sam Mar- Marquise's uh, Marquise's contributions to the team and and what he did on defense just really just to you know just kind of to stifle them and it wasn't like. It wasn't like they didn't score any points against them, but it was just that he made it difficult for them to really get a rhythm. And, and I think that was the real key is that 
throughout the entire night. These guys just did not – Kentucky just didn't have any rhythm because we took it from them, and we use it to make music. The thing that I wanted to come back to really quick is that we, of course, did our season preview show a couple of weeks ago, and I like revisiting this sometimes because we, we overcommit on our predictions and sometimes because we undercommit. Oh, so, my God. Uh, we're so far to, under on to Donald. <laughs> yeah, so, so y'all were clowning me so, on my 100 points. What's up? So in Donald's favorite category, the 100-point games, of course, I said that Duke was going to have one 100-point game. So You're going to be wrong. Today, I got it right. <laughs> I nailed it. Duke got You're one. Season's over. 100-point game. <laughs> Donald gets five. Jason gets four. Man, Donald, this might be, might be your yield to steal the category. And but, I and, and I knew it was going to be against Kentucky. I knew that was one of them. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Okay, jack shit. Get out of here. Let me tell you about. Let me tell you about a, a category I feel great about, which is Jack White's total minutes. I said Jack White was going to have four hundred and one total minutes. He had thirty tonight. I'm looking great for for that prediction. Uh, the one that I'm the one that I'm a little upset about uh, most other than Duke's 100-point games, is that I said uh, I, I picked the highest number on how many individual 30-point games Duke was going to have this season. R.J. Barrett came through for me tonight, 33 points. Zion Williamson, uh, too many fouls, not staying in the game long enough, only 28 points, only the second most points in a debut by a Duke freshman. So really, really pulling down the total number of individual 30-point games here. I really... I really could have done with more from Zion Williamson. I mean, my what average a, is looking looking tight though. Just sort of, yeah. On on average, I'm I'm still doing fine, but it would have been nice to pick up a few quick wins here at the beginning of the season. And then for total Zion slam dunks, we were all kind of in the same range, but Jason had the highest number at 110. So I'm uh, winning that Jason, one. I'm I'm winning that Jason, one. <laughs> you, might, you might be uh, you might be in the driver's seat for that. So anyway, overall, a great night for Duke. Uh, an, an excellent performance by the Blue Devils from start to finish. So not sure we could ask for more from that season debut from Mike Krzyzewski's squad. This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by the boys of Bird Campbell PA with law offices in Texas and Florida, for all of your legal needs, contact Bird Campbell at birdcampbell.com. That's B-Y-R-D-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. Bird Campbell means business. This episode is also brought to you by Duke alum Brett Etheridge and his Dominate Test Prep. Dominate Test Prep provides online courses for the GMAT and GRE these classes are flexible, affordable, and most importantly, they teach Brett's proven test-taking strategies that produce high scores on test day. If you or someone you know is looking to get into a top school, let a guy who bleeds Duke Blue help. You can learn more at dominatetestprep.com. That's dominatetestprep.com. And use the coupon code GODEVILS to save 10% off of any course package. All right, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up briefly as we do. 
normally during the season because it's now the regular season. We'll be we'll be back to our our sort of standard agenda for each of these shows. So we've got we have to do player of the week picks. You can pick Deion Jackson from the from the Miami game. You can pick any of the any of the football players, but I would really prefer you to pick a basketball player. So player of the game from Duke's huge, huge season opening win against Kentucky in the Champions Classic. Donald, I'll start with you. Who is your player of the game? Um, let's see. So my player of the game is every Kentucky fan uh, at the Duke game that left Aww. about 18 minutes. <laughs> after the game. Because I'm, you know what? I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to give player of the game to just one person. And so I will give it to a whole plethora of people. And it'll be all those people who left because they missed exactly what they saw in the first half, which was a beatdown. All right, Jason, your player of the game for Duke's season opening win. My player of the game is Cam R.J. Williamson. Um, Cam R.J. Williamson. Come on, man. Neither of you guys committed. Oh, man. Those th- so Cam R.J. Williamson almost outscored Kentucky all by himself. Um, Cam R.J. Williamson combined for 83 points. Kentucky had 84 points. So it was so close. Almost. If, if I have to pick one guy, I'm picking R.J. Barrett. Who yeah, had, I would too. Yeah, he had six assists, um, four rebounds. He just seemed absolutely in control the whole time. But I mostly am doing that because I'm praying that Sam picks Zion Williamson. And you know what? I was going to do that the whole way. I'm taking Zion Williamson, even though he didn't crack 30 points in his debut because he's a slacker. Um, he, was 11, he, he, was, he was 11. He was, he was 11 for 13. 13. The, I mean, like, 11 he was 13. unstoppable. He made, unstoppable. He made that. He made that one three-pointer earlier in the game. He only took one three-point shot, but he made his one three-point attempt early in the game. And it was sort of a slow-motion play. Like, he got the ball, and everyone was sort of looking around like, is he, is he going to shoot it? And, and then he did. It looked very smooth. It looked like he totally knew what he was doing. I'll take Zion Williamson. I think that despite all of the hype, we still have underrated how good he actually is on both ends of the court with the ball in his hands, without the ball in his hands on defense, making plays in transition in the set. There's, there is not a part of Zion Williamson's game that I feel like is not elite for college basketball, given, you know, the, the limited sample that we've seen. So I'm going to pick Zion Williamson for, for my inaugural player of the game. Uh, for the for this 2018-2019 season, that's going to do it here. Hey, hey actually, for... actually, hey, hey lightning <laughs> yeah. fast before what? we sign off. There's a certain name we haven't said once during this entire podcast. I don't think we've said the name Trey Jones. I just wanted to very, very quickly acknowledge that. No, Trey... I said I said that I that I liked his defense. I told oh, you I liked good. his defense. He did. Oh, say good, it. good. good. I'm I'm glad we did because I, I was going to say I I was really impressed with his hands on defense. Um, and his ability to stay in front of the Kentucky guards, who are very, very good. But you already took Jason, care of that, so I forget had, it. Do, I do your goodbye. Had, I might have had five drinks tonight, but I still saw Trey Jones' defense. So I, I love it. Just, I love it. I, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm still paying attention. Anyway, 
that's going to do it for episode 134 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Of course, before we go, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention um, our condolences, rest in peace to Al Featherston, who was a, a legend in, in Duke sports journalism for, for decades um, here at the DBR at GoDukes.com at a number of outlets. We'll talk a little bit more about him, I think, in our next episode. Um, we, of course, got to interview Al a, a couple of years ago. Feel free to go back and check out that episode. Uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll do a longer tribute to Al in our next show. But um, it, for, for Jason and for Donald, I'm Sam. Thank you again for tuning in for episode 134 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke fans, take us home. <laughs>